beautiful humans. First of all, thank you for listening to Crone by Design, a Dash of Everything podcast. In this podcast, I talk about and further the discussion and dissecting of various topics that can be qualified as taboo to mass media. We're being a little open-minded and education can solve this misunderstanding. Also, I like to talk about a diverse set of topics that might inspire you to want to learn more about or just have a better understanding about what the topic is. Before we jump into today's topic, I just want to say hello. My name is Miranda Meyer McCarty, and I am the host of Crone by Design, a Dash of Everything podcast. And of course, like while I'm getting ready to start to record this episode, you may hear barking in the background. No, it is not our dear Festus. He is curled up in bed and highly drugged up because he has a big vet appointment today to just do annual exams and the normal stuff for his um, vet appointment. But no, the dog barking in the background is actually our neighbors. She is dog sitting for someone in the neighborhood and that dog just does not like people. (laughs) So if you hear him in the background, his name is Finn and he's a cutie, but yes, a bit annoying. And I just want to say thank you again for taking the time to listen to Crone by Design, A Dash of Everything. This podcast has been a dream of mine since 2017 when I was a freshman in college. I wanted to do a podcast, but I even went and like bought cover art. I had a whole different name for it. I had like the same type of thing where I wanted to talk about taboo topics and declassify them from being taboo by just talking about them. But, you know, time slips away and, of course, courage at that time was not my thing and I had a lot of other stuff going on in my life that I think it's probably best that I'm starting this podcasting journey now even though I have even less time to do it since I work full-time at Purdue University and I own my own business, Crown by Design, a metaphysical boutique, and now starting this podcast journey, my husband, Lonnie, bless his heart, he is my biggest support and shoulder to lean on. He has listened to me and coached me a lot. (laughs) He tried to support me and I know I'm just a mess sometimes but he really comes through and then of course the support my family has never wavered even during the toughest of times so thank you for listening to this podcast now and of course like like I say in a lot of episodes is I hope with time and practice of learning how to record episodes and getting to know you guys and you guys getting to know me, that it gets better and better. So without further ado, this podcast episode topic is the eight limbs of yoga. It was during my 200 hours of teacher training courses to becoming a yoga instructor was when I was first really introduced to the topic and discussed them at length. The eight limbs of yoga are guidelines for how to live a more meaningful and purposeful life. You can compare the eight limbs a lot to the Christian's Ten Commandments, but a bit less damning, which is quite a stretch. 
yes, I wrote that on purpose. I am cheesy and I love it. So I hope you got that. (laughs) So as the eight limbs give you more healing and forgiving guidance and leading your life in a more mindful and thoughtful way, the eight limbs is a combination of a moral and ethical code of contact and requires self-discipline. So if you're interested in really going into the depths of the eight limbs of yoga, I really suggest you reading the Yoga Sutras by Padagali. And I'm sorry, I might mispronounce some of these words ahead as a lot of them are in Sanskrit, which is a Indian language. And so I know with my language skills, they are not the best, but please. And it's written by Suri Swami. So please check that out. The Yoga Sutra is a text that was written by the wise wise sage uh, Patagali at least 1,700 years ago about classical and also referring as Raja, which is royal yoga. In another episode, I will have dedicated to him as he wrote significant works in Ayurveda and Sanskrit, which are keys to a yogi's lifestyle that we rely on for the outline of our practices. I am definitely not perfect in my yogi lifestyle and outlook in life, but it always is nice to learn. The first thing I have I want to know about the eight limbs of yoga is that there is no starting or end point in the limbs, as some people might start with asana, which is a very common starting point for many people coming into yoga, as they are the postures, or what people commonly refer to as poses. There is no right or wrong way to go through each of the eight limbs. In this episode, I just want to help people who may not know about the eight limbs and how there is much more to yoga than was pushed out in media, as yoga is a lifestyle and not just a class you take on Wednesday to make you feel better about eating that cupcake or actually having a use for your yoga pants. These guidelines will help in continuing your practice on and off the mat. Also, the resource I mainly used for this episode will be cited in the episode description. It was the article Eight Limbs of Yoga, Patagali's Eightfold Path offers guidelines for a meaningful and purposeful life. Get to know your prescription for moral and ethical conduct and self-discipline by Mara Carcio, and also from the teaching I received during my teacher training will act as another guideline to this episode. So like I was talking about before, there is no starting and into the eight limbs of yoga. You can weave through them however you want to, but I am going to start with diyamas. They are five ethical standards that focus on our behavior and our conduct. Most of them will make practical sense to you. That is where I make the very vague reference to the Christian's Ten Commandments. So the next five words I'm going to say in Sanskrit, and then I'm going to follow up with the English transition um, and also the meaning. So please don't hold it against me if I pronounce it wrong. I am trying. So the first one is asma, which means nonviolence. The second is satya, truthfulness. The third, asteya, non-stealing. The fourth, brahmakara, to stay in conduct of oneself. 
And the last one is apagahara, which is to be non-greedy. An example of yamas in action, such as satya, which is truthfulness, in being committed to the truth of your intentions, words, and actions. This will bring your actions to fruition, such as if you are truthful in your commitment to stay getting a degree in public health. Your intentions, words, and actions towards this truth will be doing what you need to do in order to get a degree in public health, which would be going to your classes, studying, and doing your best in achieving this truth. The next limb is the niyamas, which are more about the regulation of self-discipline and spiritual observations. So again, the next five words I will be saying in Sanskrit and then following them up with their translation or their meaning. So the first one is sosha, which is cleanliness. The second is samtosha, contentment. The third tapas, which is the heat or spiritual austerities. The fourth one is svadhyaya the study of oneself. And the last one, Ishvara Panihadana, is to surrender to God. So an example of niyamas in action would be to develop your own meditation practice, where you could surrender yourself into looking into yourself for guidance and to keep up with your practice. And for further studies of the yamas and niyamas, I would suggest reading the Yamas and Niyamas, Exploring Yoga's Ethical Practice by Deborah Adele. This was a book that I was given to read during my teacher training, and it gives far superior examples and suggestions to live a more ethical yogi lifestyle to the Yamas and Niyamas. And it is always exciting when I see other yogis suggest this book, as it is a great reference book to have for your practice. As in each part of your life, you discover another side of yourself, or as you grow and change how to better incorporate these guidelines. Also, I just want to remind you, as you're listening, I do have in the show notes all the titles of the books that I suggest and all the sources that I use to research for this episode. So don't be hesitant and being like, oh, I need to pause and write this down, or I need to stop doing something to write it down. Don't worry. I got you. The third limb is a limb that I'm sure everybody knows about in a different term, but is called asana. Asana are the postures in which we practice in yoga. It is thought that as in practicing the asanas, we are deepening and developing the habit of discipline and the ability to concentrate, which are the building blocks in our meditation practice. A few examples of asanas are not limited to, but are in most beginner classes, child's pose, all three of the warriors, warrior one, warrior two, warrior three, and then also tree. These are very common asanas and they are hundreds more plus modifications to those hundreds of more asanas, but those are the ones you probably be like, oh, I totally understand you. Moving on to more of the lesser known, or I would even go further and say cryptic limbs of the eight limbs, but again, they are equally important. 
As we keep going, I know I remember when I was first being taught these, how it felt knowledge and understanding being unlocked. And even though these limbs are not as catchy or mainstream as asana or as self-aware as the yamas and niyamas, they make sense in building your practice. As you feel your awareness and energy grow in confidence in your practice, these limbs become more apparent. And so this next limb is pranayama, which is a general translation of breath control. For yogis, it is important to gain understanding and mastery over the respiratory process as we continue to build on the connection and flow between the breath, the mind, and the emotions. As we are taught, anytime we are working out, lifting weights, or even practicing sports, is how important it is to breathe and to never hold your breath. It is of the same importance in yoga, especially when you begin to dive into different types of breath work in yoga. With a focus on pranayama, you are working on your life force extension. Focusing on your breath not only rejuvenates, but actively concentrates on pranayama is believed to actually extend life itself. Types of breathing techniques, I will have these written in the episode description in case you would like to look into adding them into your practice, are Nadi Shadonahana, the Satili breath, and the Bhastrika. And there are many other types of pranayama, and I might do an episode in the future going through these in more depth. As I dive into episodes, I work to give respect to the subjects I research and to give a reference type of material to learn without being rushed. So I do want to do it justice, and I am sorry that I can't pronounce everything perfectly, but I will have these three different types of breath works written in the show notes for you to be able to look up later. The next limb is Pratyahara. As we've gotten this far, you might have noticed that these limbs are more concentrated on the inner self and more bodily controls. With Pratyahara, we are withdrawing ourselves from the outside world. We are removing all external stimuli in order to, in a way, take a survey of our bodies. We know the type of habits which we take part of in our lives in which some may be hindering our inner growth or negatively impacting our bodies. For example, we turn to Pratyahara when we are deciding to prepare for meditation, such as turning off the TV, silencing our phones, and going to a quiet place in which we can meditate. You are following the acts in which to achieve Pratyahara. As we move to the limb dharana, the focus of concentration, especially after we move from pratyahara, where we have already removed the outside distraction, now it's time to remove the inside distractions. As we are moving in our postures, keeping our breath in alignment, and took away the outside distraction, it is time to settle your mind from drifting to all of those things on your to-do list and come into your practice mentally. It is time to connect the mind to bring our attention to a single point. Doing this for extended periods of time does lead to meditation. Listen to your body. As you're going through these eight limbs, you're beginning to reintroduce yourself to your body. You can listen to what it can do and also to what it needs. Now it's time for the big word. 
dhyana, which translates to an uninterrupted flow of concentration, as there is a fraction of a difference between concentration and meditation, as this can be a little confusing, but of course practicing these eight limbs on your own will begin to find the answers within yourself. As you move with intention, dhyana is a frame of mind when being extremely aware without focus. For example, you are in your meditation and in the background there is a fan running on high, ruffling the leaves of the plants behind you. A car, as cars pass your house, you are aware of all these external stimuli, but you are not focused on them, such as the same thing your body in the form of an internal stimuli. You are aware that it's almost lunchtime as your stomach begins to gurgle and your breathing slows down for meditation, but again, you are not focused on it. Meditation is about everything and nothing at the same time, but to achieve the state to pra is to practice, to find your own path that calls to you. The final limb, samahadi, is a state of ecstasy. This is all when all the limbs come together. This is the point in which you are in meditation and emerge with your focus and transcend the self altogether where everything snaps together all at once and you are aware of the connection you have with the divine and with all living things. You experience bliss as you are at one with the universe. These limbs might seem as loft goals, but as you travel down the path of the yogi, it is understandable to want to understand and achieve this peace. So after going through each of the eight limbs of yoga, it is quite understandable to know that it's not something that someone can make into their weekend goal. It is a complete overhaul. It's a change of lifestyle, of thought processes, and awarenesses. It takes many years or even lifetimes, and most might never really truly meet samadhi, but understand the importance of each limb and practicing to achieve peace is the honorable goal of a yogi. I will read this quote from the yoga journal that just really nails the point I'm trying to make right on the head. You also might give some thought to the fact that this ultimate stage of yoga, enlightenment, can neither be bought nor possessed. It can only be experienced, the price of which is the continual devotion of the aspirant. And that was from the Yoga Journal. Thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode, and I hope you have enjoyed it and maybe found some inspiration or something of value. As we were able to talk about the inner workings of a yogi and how to deepen your practice and reach enlightenment and strive for inner peace. And I hope you enjoyed some of the little experiences that I've been able to share through this yoga as it's really an amazing journey. Like I came into yoga when I was mostly in high school and I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I didn't really get reconnected to it until college when my family was having some really big struggles. And that's where I really found peace with yoga. I was able to really connect with my mom and have some laughs with my sister during yoga. And so that always like was in the back of my head as I continued through college. But then when I really got injured um, during my junior year, I got pretty badly injured 
I have uh, two bulging discs and a pinched nerve in my lower back, which leads to a lot of sciatica problems. And so during that time, I was in the throes of workers' comp, and that's never a great place to be. And so it was awful, all of it. I had multiple steroid shots, um, talked to many doctors, got yelled at all the time by different uh, professionals, quote-unquote. And then in the end, they were like, well, we think you're too young to do surgery. And I agree. I was only 21 at the time, and I did not want surgery, and I still don't want surgery. But with the lawsuit, with that um, accident... I actually was able to pay for my 200 hours certification for yoga training. And really, I think that is what has saved my back as I came into it. Uh, my class, I was actually the first one to ask if they were going to have a class that spring. And so they said yes to me, and it leads to be about like. 16 people in my class and they were all great people and I still cherish a lot of my relationships that I was able to make with them and take throughout yoga and into life too uh but it was a struggle I remember many nights crying on the way home just being in so much pain of uh working these muscles and trying to straighten things out with my back and being 21 and realizing you're not invincible really is heartbreaking and especially when you're in the middle of college and it felt like you're on your own that was rough but I really give it back to yoga because I was able to get stronger I was able to find my voice, and I actually teach yoga, uh, surprisingly. Um, I'm still not a very confident teacher. I can't do every pose perfectly, but I give a lot of grace to my students. I give a lot of room for people to ask questions and ask for modifications, and I'm always up for learning more and just holding space for others, and I think that's something... A lot more of us need to do with everybody and so I really hope you try yoga try a beginner's flow do something light something motivational just see what's out there test the waters as I'm wrapping up this episode you can let me know if you have any recommendations on topics or stories you would like to share in a listener's story you can submit all of those at cronebydesign.com and click on the Submit Stories for a Podcast tab and fill out the form. Your listener stories can be anywhere from things you didn't learn until they happened to you, such as how to use menstrual pads or other products, to discovering something new in yoga, or your favorite thing to grow in your garden. You can find me in the podcast and the metaphysical boutique at cronebydesign.com. You can also find me on Instagram by cronebydesign. And please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. And I am hoping to find a few sponsors to start and continue this podcasting journey. I'm looking for like-minded businesses that would flow with my podcast and my own business. 
that can range from other small businesses to bigger businesses that are into menstruation or menopause, yoga, the list can really go on and on. So if that is you and you are interested in being a sponsor, please reach out to crownbydesignpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to this episode, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye!